You're listening to Lanyap, a weekly digest of news, personal finance, brotherly banter, and whatever else is on our minds. From Stokes Family Office. Greg and Doug Stokes with Lanyap Podcast. Today is Friday, February 23rd. It's been a wild week in the markets, per usual, in a, in a good way this particular week. NVIDIA really has been the story of the week, which is um, it's a new name for a lot of people. But um, basically, this this particular company makes 80% of the semiconductors that go into artificial intelligence um, computers. And they've, so they basically got the market cornered in that particular space. And AI is becoming the, the new sort of thing in the investment world. Um, and so this particular it's inter- company... It's Internet 2.0, basically. Right. Exactly. So um, we've talked about it in the past where you can go and now nowadays I actually have um, uh, this particular app on my phone that you can you can basically ask AI a question or whatever, and it gives you it spits out a response. And and um, and so it's a computer that can think for itself for, for those of you who are living under a rock or whatever. But anyway, it's really cool. Um, and NVIDIA and anything that's related to AI is just flying off the charts. Um, just we to had a client of ours that asked about A1. Uh, and I was like, are you talking about the steak sauce or are we missing something here? And it was AI. So um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, it is relatively new. And uh, seemingly it's the, um, it reminds me, now this is, there's a use case for it, but it's like, it's like, you know, Bitcoin a couple of years ago or, uh, EVs, electric vehicles in 2021, uh, those were really hot, um, or the meme stocks in 21, um, you know, whatever the latest trend is and rave, um, you have people that are, um, I would call uh, speculators that are coming out of the woodworks and we're like the guy that. wants to buy a one doesn't really know what it is, but he just knows it's going up. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but the same thing has been going on throughout human history. We've talked about this. We actually had a, a market historian on the podcast about a year or two ago. It's been a long time, but a guy by the name of Jamie Catherwood, for those of you who want to learn more about this, he went on to talk about how in the 1800s uh, railroads were the investment theme. And so pe- people were piling money into railroads and then bicycles at the turn of the century. And there was like something like 200 publicly traded bicycle companies breweries in the 1850s in england so there's there's always a new thing Um, internet.com uh broadband fiber a lot of a lot of these end up being fantastic uh industries i mean talk about the railroad industry or transportation in general or the internet um but there's a there's a separation between hype and uh and the actual return on investment i think what what people uh, fail to realize is that price really matters. I was listening to um, Bill Ackman's podcast with Lex Friedman, and uh, he was talking about his investment methodology. And if you don't know who Bill Ackman is, he's been in the news lately because of his fight uh, with uh, Harvard. But uh, he's a hedge fund manager, a very large uh, hedge fund, and he was talking about his philosophy on on valuation. And he said, "You can buy the best business in the world, but um, but the the real key is paying the right price for it, obviously, and uh, which is a an obvious insight, but it's um, but it it is failed to be utilized during periods of mania, and uh, and I sense we're in one of those periods right now. Well, just to give you some context, the uh, 
the t- this is the top 10 biggest single day market cap gains of all time. We had one yesterday. So NVIDIA gained $230 billion of value in one single day on February 22nd, 2024. That's followed by Meta in, earlier in the month. Um, and then if you, the list is pretty interesting, but it's basically your, your Microsoft's and Apple's and everything. NVIDIA's market cap as of yesterday surpassed the size of Canada's economy. Um, so the Canucks uh, can't keep up with Canada with uh, NVIDIA from the standpoint of their the market cap of NVIDIA versus the entire economy of Canada. Um, so and also, so NVIDIA's market cap exceeded in one day exceeded the entire which is the 230 billion or whatever was the entire that's the entire value of 475 companies in the s&p 500 um it's so it's really just kind of crazy this is february 10th so this is even higher now but nvidia's market cap this is charlie bolello is now over 200 billion it's it's probably more like 400 billion higher than all of the companies in the S&P 500 energy sector combined. Meanwhile, the total net income of the energy sector is $147 billion versus $19 billion for NVIDIA. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, it's a a fantastic company. It sells the picks and shovels for the new gold rush, which is AI. Uh, But there are are, uh, precedents here. I think the the most... um, useful one for you know context of of what's going on with nvidia is how cisco uh in the 90s was networking the entire internet uh, became the largest company in the world and um and you know that that ended with a mania uh and specifically cisco went up to like 150 times earnings and i think just recently surpassed its peak in uh 2000 and so it price matters, and that's that's really uh, what what it comes down to. The other thing I would say about Nvidia is that it's highly concentrated amongst the Magnificent Seven. There's some data around the dependence that Nvidia has amongst the Magnificent Seven, specifically Meta, Google, Apple, Amazon, and um, and all of those companies. We talked about that on a previous podcast. Are trying to uh, create their own GPUs or AI type chips, and so. There is there's risk there number one, but I, I think even number two, more importantly, uh, price matters, and uh, we're we're in a definite uh, AI mania. It doesn't mean you can't make money, um, and some of these companies are going to win long term. I mean, if you would have bought Amazon during the mania or Google during the mania or Nvidia you know, or Nvidia, what it was one of the companies that that came out in 1999. Yeah, they marked, so, their IPO was a billion dollars back then. Yeah, but all those companies went down 80, 90 percent, and so even if you held on to them, then you're you've done fantastically well. Um, but it, it's uh, it's it's not like Nvidia is going to go to the moon in perpetuity. I mean, even in 2021, it was down something like 70 percent. So uh, people just have to be prepared for those types of swings. Plus the scale of the movements now are just, I mean, it requires so much money to move the market in these things. Um, these big dog stocks, like 200, the entire, the entire market or the entire economic value produce of Canada basically is what NVIDIA did yesterday. So there's a lot of the, it's what, what's happened, what happens with these really big companies is that, it's just more difficult for them to double or whatever, just because you're talking about the scale of a double on a $2 trillion company, which NVIDIA is, is another $2 trillion. 
which is just an astronomical sum of money. So uh, this is really interesting in the Wall Street Journal. Speaking of price matters, Japan's Nikkei index, which is like their S&P 500, after 34 years, briefly tops record close in intraday trading. What does that mean? That means that in uh, what the late 1980s, Japan's market peaked, went down, and didn't recover till its peak until uh, this week. And uh, it's just absolutely amazing uh, the level of bubble that Japan uh, experienced in the 80s. Uh, there were there were companies in Japan that were banks that were larger than um, the largest companies in America. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think you can be in these situations where if you overpay, uh, it could take a long time to recover uh, your investment. Yeah, I mean, 34 years in content and to put that in context, you were three and I was four or something like that. I mean, it's just like a, and so over that period of time, if you it would have been dead money basically. Um, and, and we're not saying that NVIDIA is going to be, you know, that company. And the interesting thing about, so the market's getting really concentrated. This U S markets are getting really concentrated amongst these, these single positions like first, like NVIDIA, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, et cetera. Um, but in, from the standpoint of, what happened in 1999 and 2000, the, the market was just buying anything that had a dot-com at the end of it. It was like a true bubble in hindsight, I guess, or if you, I'm sure a lot of people were calling it a bubble at that, at that point in time, but the companies today are making money. Um, the market, the percentage of the top five companies in, in the U.S. market right now are like 25% or something like that, but the earnings of those companies have increased on a, on a r- really rapid clip. NVIDIA's Q4 revenue growth year over year was up 265%. Meta's was up 25%. Microsoft 18. Amazon. So these companies are growing. They're real companies. Um, so it's that, not that's necessarily... The difference. The, that's the difference is that the from a valuation perspective, so these companies have been growing into their lofty valuations. Now, that may change at some point in the future, but um, it's not like it is Riot Blockchain or what was it? Uh, Long Island Ice-T... That became a blockchain company. These are actual real companies that produce real goods in a service or a product in AI that is actually a real use case and and driving efficiency across the economy. So that is the um, that is the uh, one component of this where this could this can go on for a while and and prices can continue to inflate simply because there is a real economic use case here. And so, um, anyway, we're, I'm not one to, um, chase. And so, uh, I'm going to be a casual observer here, but, um, but it is, these are fantastic companies. Speaking of earnings, um, this is Yuri Timmer, who we basically quote every week on this podcast. He's the chief economist at Fidelity. He says the macro narrative is unfolding as expected in terms of the anticipated turn in the earnings cycle and lowered expectations around how much the fed can cut in 2024 396 out of 500 companies have reported earnings in Q4 is proving to be a good quarter. 78% of companies beating estimates by an average of seven and a half percent is par for the course, but 600 basis points bounce and the expected growth rate is above normal. There is a sequential improvement underway from each quarter, which is exactly what the early cycle bull requires. Um, So all the calls for a recession last year that have dissipated, Calls for soft landing this year seem to be materializing. Earnings are coming in better than expected. And so you're seeing 
the result of an anticipated six to seven rate cuts by the Federal Reserve at the start of this year now go to, I think the uh, probabilities are like three and a half cuts uh, now in 2024. And so, you know, yeah, that's a really good thing. I mean, that that means the Fed has more, uh, they have more wiggle room if we run into a, a difficult period. They've got more room to cut rates essentially. Um, so it's it's basically things are looking really good right now. Obviously, anything can change and and change that narrative. And the Fed, when they do start cutting historically, they've had to cut quickly because basically that's indicative of something breaking in the system. But lo and behold, nothing's broken so far. But we shall see on that point. Doug, I want to point out, uh, or I want to ask you a question. I want to revert back to AI real quick and get your feedback on whether or not you have used AI and, and if, if, and I want to go into my particular hack that I've, I've found, uh, so far. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts. Have you been able to use it or gotten any value out of it? So, so I've far? used, I've used chat GPT a few times to, um, help improve a, uh, like a letter I'm going to send out or, uh, some line of thinking, or if asked chat GPT to summarize uh, a long essay or something like that. But, um, not really, not yet. It it will be. I mean, the the use cases will be uh, amazing, but um, but I haven't I haven't actually spent enough time thinking about it. Yeah, I uh, I've been using it to help like in areas that I'm not so strong on, and and one of uh, and this may be useful to the, some of the men out there that are, are have di- uh, difficulty communicating their feelings. But I typed into Chat GPT. Uh, I need to help help me draft a message to my wife in a compassionate. Uh, manner uh to communicate about these issues and i uh and i did that and sent it over to my wife and she it like worked out perfectly <laughs> i'm not saying i'm not saying anything about my wife anymore because i made a comment about her consumption of jimmy john's on a couple podcasts not jimmy john's uh Mer- jersey mike's a couple podcasts ago and i haven't heard the end of it yet so i'm gonna abstain from that <laughs> abstain from that particular <laughs> issue i know i heard from sarah about that as well too about uh her, uh, she wanted to clarify that she did not eat Jimmy John's or whatever, whatever Jersey Mike's uh, three times in a week. It was actually two times a week, uh, <laughs> two times in a week. So, but yeah, anyway, so that for for the men out there that have difficulty communicating, I've, I've found a use case for ChatGPT and it works great so far. Um, there's also use cases I read about this and Bank Bank of New York Mellon, their um, their researchers had were historically waking up at like four in the morning to draft memos to their clients and chat GPTs allowed them to wake up at like six or seven in the morning because it essentially can feed the information that, that would normally a human being would have to digest and, and draft a memo. The rough draft can be done by a computer. So there's, there's a lot of use cases beyond my, um, relationship dynamic that have, uh, that exist and it's well, going to be really cool. Open AI just, uh, just announced this text to video, um, capability. I think it's called Sora. And, uh, if you've seen the clips from this, it's absolutely amazing. You can direct, uh, via, via messaging, uh, what you want a, a clip to look like. And it looks like it's produced by, um, you know, a major Hollywood production. And now it's only 60 seconds and you can, you can tell if you look close enough that it's AI generated, but it's, it's pretty amazing how fast this technology is moving. Um, and so the cost to produce any sort of content on a go forward basis is just going to come down dramatically, which is probably why the writers were striking, uh, in, in Hollywood, uh, in, uh, summer of 2023, basically see the writing on the wall here that 
um, it's going to get easier and easier and cheaper to, uh, to create, create original content. All right. So there, there's going to be a lot of positive, um, knockoff effects from this and, and any, anything that's really, even something like that, that's seemingly requires a lot of creative energy or whatever, you can have a computer do it, but anything that's in a really systematized fashion, like call centers or like loan underwriting, potentially that stuff can be, you can conceivably see a computer doing that. If it's just kind of a checklist and it can do it so quickly. Yeah. I see this. The, the, the best use case is that for the very, um, yeah, as you said, system, systematized processes where, uh, you just have to answer questions and, and there's only a, a certain list of questions that tends to get asked. Uh, an AI bot could, could handle that. The, the better use case, uh, more broadly speaking, is just as some sort of assistant and uh, whether it's in writing code or in drafting some sort of uh, piece of content or editing. Um, but it work, you know, man and machine together is better than man or machine uh, alone. And so I think AI is going to be that, that sort of bridge to allow people to become more productive and better at their jobs. Right. So long, long and short of it is, this is an amazing technology and this has been the major driver for the big winners in the market this year. But it's a bubble. So far, it, but it, you're calling it a bubble touch? Yeah. SMI, what's the other one? The super micro computer or yeah. whatever. Looks like very, very frothy. Um, there's going to, right. There's going to be, there's going to be winners and losers and, and we shall see. And and if history is any guide, um, this this particular technology is going to improve our lives. Um, but it's probably not going to be as good or as bad as people are are, are hoping for or or fearing. Um, but this is what's been driving the market um, so far this year, and and towards the end of last year, the S P five hundred so far has uh, made thirteen all time highs this year. We didn't have one in twenty. We had zero all time highs in twenty twenty three one in 2022 and we had 70 in 2021. Um, so, um, the, the, the natural human instinct would be that, okay, the market's at an all time high. It's time for me to cash my chips in, um, and, you know, go out, go sailing off into the sunset. The, Doug, what does the data say about that sort of, um, mentality? Is it a good idea or is it a, a, a bare indicator if the markets are at all time highs? Yeah. So I think that this is, uh, really counterintuitive uh, that you know people people th seem to think that as things are going up in value um, on a broad basis that uh, that there must be some sort of cliff uh, where we're going to get a correction or something like that uh, in the near term this was put out by dimensional um, and dimensional fund advisors or DFA and they I think they put this out every year but it's really good insight most of the time we're, we're in an all-time high. The, the stock market uh, is up, you know, three out of every four years. There's a 75% chance uh, that in any given year that the, you're going to be up. So to, over a long period of time, the markets are moving up and to the right, or at least have. Um, and so when you're investing, when you're putting money in, typically you're going to be uh, investing at somewhere near an all-time high. Uh, and so DFA puts this out. They say, why a stock peak isn't a cliff? S&P 500 indexed average annualized compound returns 1926 to, to 2023. And then they go into uh, two sets of data after months that ended at any level. So just like a random, random uh, end of the month investment. And then after months that ended at a record high. And it's really interesting. One year later, 
after all-time highs, an uh, average S&P 500 return is 13.7% versus just any random month, 12.3%. So historically, better off investing at an all-time high if you're looking at over a 12-month basis. Over three and five years, um, it's basically the same exact return, 10.6% after an all-time high versus 10.8% on any random month over a three-year period, over five years, 10.2% versus 10.3%. So the bottom line is really what this says is you're basically always investing at an all-time high if you're if you're a stock market investor because three out of every four years, the market is up. And so you have to get used to the idea that, um, that you're buying in at elevated prices because prices are over the long run, constantly elevated. Yeah, and this is a basic. This is the same. Basically, reaffirms what you just said. Thirty-one percent of the time, month at monthly closes are at all-time highs. So, if you if you try, if you go in with the mentality that I'm at an, at an all-time high, I'm going to time. It's time to cash my chips in. Um, you the the problem is is the market's at an all-time high. Thirty-one percent of all month ends going back for the last uh, hundred years, essentially. Um, so it's basically something that you have to deal with in the markets and, and hopefully that the, that data set continues. It's a really big data set, obviously, but, um, right now, at least we're, we're at an, we've made, t uh, 12 all time highs this year so far. We made none last year. Um, but, but the markets are still relatively close to where they were, you know, two years ago. And, and there hasn't, so there hasn't been a whole lot of price action, especially when you're looking at the, the companies that are. Bes the companies besides the ones we've been talking about, NVIDIA, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, et cetera, besides the, 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 the uh, Magnificent Seven, they're calling the Magnificent Six now because Tesla is down. Um, but besides the, uh, uh, the Magnificent Seven, the market hasn't really done a whole lot for the last couple of years, but earnings have gone up. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential. Obviously, there's been a lot of momentum on the top side of the equation in those big stocks. But there's a lot of potential for the companies that haven't done a whole lot from a price standpoint to to get the the, the price to earnings valuations back to where they were a couple of years ago. Yep, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, pat myself on the back here uh, to close this podcast out. I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year, but I made a call that uh, correlations between stocks and bonds uh, would reverse in 2024. That was my 2024 prediction. Uh, what had happened uh, in 2022 and 2023 is that stocks and bonds were highly correlated. So if stocks were up, bonds were up, stocks were down, bonds were down. And 2022 specifically was a horrible year for both stocks and bonds and ended up being one of the worst years ever for a 60-40 portfolio. Um, this is a chart from uh, J.C. Peretz, who uh, is a technical analyst and, and runs a company called All Star Charts. He says, this was uh, from a couple of days ago, do you think bonds catch up to stocks? Do you think stocks catch down to bonds? Or do you think the relationship has changed? And this chart is uh, the growth of stocks, S&P 500 and bonds, which is the 20-year treasury um, since uh, the sep September of 2023. And they're just highly correlated up until January of 2024. That correlation diverts stocks are up, bonds are down to start 2024. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call there that a go. win. I'm calling that a win. And, uh, and we don't have to look at that chart again for the rest of the year. 
Yeah. So hopefully that correlation continues or meaning or negative correlation continues um, because when everything was moving in tandem in 2022 and the 60-40 portfolio had the one of the worst years on ever was no no bueno. Yeah. Well, it's it's great when in a, in a 2023 when everything's going up, stocks and, and bonds, but, um, but there's another side to that. So I'd rather the negative correlation, I'd rather my bonds be diversifiers versus return enhancers. And, um, and right now the bonds are a drag on a portfolio. So your stocks are up, your bonds are down, but if that negative, but so be it, yeah, so be it. If that negative correlation persists, then well, we'll see the other side of that. Absolutely. That's a great observation. And I hope your prediction continues to be right, because that's something that's integral in our profession that bonds serve as a risk management tool. Um, and when in 2022, they did the exact opposite that everything moved in tandem. In fact, bonds had bonds were long bonds were down like 50%, which is like pretty horrible, um, or especially in the context of history. So, um, a lot of things going on here. Uh, it, it'll be our pleasure to continue to, to communicate our thoughts to you guys. If you enjoyed this, please give us five stars, leave us a comment. Otherwise we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lanyap. This podcast is brought to you by Stokes Family Office. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Stokes Family Office and Lanyap, visit us at stokesfamilyoffice.com. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.